Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's T. Frank. Today on the BWI Daily Edition, we're taking your questions. The mailbag is here every Thursday. And if you want to get your questions on the show, make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated at bluewhiteillustrated.com and you submit a question on the Lions Den message form. We're getting to the Penn State rushing attack, the offense, surprise positional rankings in the Big Ten, maybe some danger areas, and can Penn State get their ground game going? So, you know, it's just another day of the mailbag on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate Bauer joining me in seconds. Let's get to it. BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate, any opening remarks as we get into the show? First off, yeah. thank you. Yeah, T. Frank, I think that your the cold opens are really good. Like that's, I'm impressed that you can that you just right into it. It's good. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A, uh, it's one of those things that you develop over time when you have to uh, <clears throat> vamp in radio. And luckily, some of those skills aren't rusty as of yet. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that you you pick up on here and there. Glad that that skill still exists in my tool bag. Uh, so you ready to get to it? You want to get yeah, to the mailbag? A- absolutely. Let's have at it. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, the BWI Mailbag with Nate Bauer and myself. Once again, subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on uh, on Twitter. Penn State on three, as we have some super glitchy stuff today. Uh, but anyway, let's do that again. I didn't like that. We're going to do that again. Now we got it. The BWI mailbag is officially open. Nate and I are going to be giving you all the stuff you need to know from your questions, which you submit at the Lions End message form or on Twitter. Make sure on Wednesday night you're up and about and you're able to see... Uh, the posts will get your questions on the air. So, mailbag's open. Let's ask. Okay, let's get our first question. Let's answer our first question. Wow, I've gone downhill since the cold open. Like, this is just spiraling <laughs> the whole way down. All right. So, Lamgolt from our Lions Den message forum asked the first Penn State, uh, for the first time, Penn State can rival Ohio State and Alabama in terms of off field staff. Do you expect to see tangible improvement in game planning and novel in-game tacti- tactical moves based on a higher number of experienced eyes watching film and analyzing opposing teams? Nate, this is an interesting question. I feel like this is a good one for you to start us off on. How do you feel about the equation of analyst versus yeah. game plan? Yeah, so I, I'm doing. I'm going to do some reading between the lines here because uh, I, I don't actually know that that statement is true uh, about rivaling Ohio State and Alabama because <clears throat> when James Franklin was asked about it, um, he was asked about some of the, um, you know, some of the analyst roles that had been filled and some of the yeah. hires that were made over the off season. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, T. Frank, but I, I pretty plainly remember him saying that 
they had, yes, they had added some, but more than that, they were replacing analysts that had left the program. Yeah. So yeah. there's, there's a constant cycling and, and like, don't get me wrong. More resources have been allocated to football in that department, getting better analysts, more qualified analysts, what yeah. have you. Yeah. Um, but is it the army necessarily that you are seeing on some of the other staffs nationally? Uh, no. And, and I, I, on top of that, like I can't speak specifically to Alabama and Ohio state. I, I just, I know that where it tops out nationally is not Penn state. Like I, I feel okay. fairly confident in saying that. Um, is it a, is it a level enough playing field to answer the question then? Sure. Yeah. I, look, like, I don't think that that's necessarily, I, I mean, where, you know, where do we that's go not here? The other than <laughs> no, right. Like are your play, are your players even... better than their players? That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, it do all of those other things help. Yes, yeah. they, they do. They're, more eyes, feedback. Um, you know, I, I've heard all kinds of stories of, things that go into um you know certain play calls right and and certain yeah. reasons why people do things and so it is heavily based on extensive extensive research right like what what do play callers like to do and you can't just get that based on whatever the previous four games were it, it can be as broad as literally years of, of research. And so yeah. the more people that you have on your staff who can do that work, who can look at it with, with eyes that understand the game, the, the better off you're going to be. So uh, yes, do I, do I see, do, do I expect there to be um, ramifications from that in a good way for Penn state? Yes. Do I yeah. think that they are like, the way that it's written here, do you expect to see tangible improvement from that? No, I yeah. expect to see tangible improvement <laughs> because Nick Singleton is a better running back than some of what they've had in the past. Right. Like that's, right. that's what, where the expectations right. come for me is who are the personnel that you have on your team? Olu Fushanu yeah. playing the left better side of the than line should Walker. be. Yeah. The, I wouldn't even say the left side of the line, the entire line has more talent than it did last season. Overall, Correct. the baseline feels Correct. the same, and they have more talent overall. Uh, so right. here's what I don't know what to do with this question, because it's an interesting question, and I do think it is a part, it's a factor in the conversation we're having. But when it comes to novel game planning, that is Mike, Yer from an offensive perspective, I think that's Mike Yersich's wheelhouse, is he's a creative play caller that uses some interesting formations, some tendencies, and tries to break them. However, I'm going full Nate Bauer here. However... Yeah. If you if your base offense doesn't work, how are you supposed to trickerate your way? Like don't don't focus on the three plays a game that Penn State was getting early in the season. You need to focus on the fact that their inside zone running didn't really work last year. Like <laughs> the the thirty percent over the four percent. That's I think an yeah. important factor. The second thing, and I just want to bring this up, even though I said we need to let Illinois go, it's the perfect example of how do you actually game plan for something that a team has not done all season? Because you mentioned going back years, right? 
-hmm. if you look at the game plan from Illinois, they copied coming out of the bye week what Minnesota did in 2019. How are you supposed to anticipate that? That's what I don't like. I don't know that an analyst really helps you uh, figure out the fact that Brett Bielema is going to completely do something counter to what he's done all season long. Something that they have yeah. not done. Go six offensive linemen, play two tight ends, you know, replicate that, and then take it to a new level. Defensively in that game, they also changed some things. They were motioning into zone on defense, which is they made it pre-snap, look like they were playing man coverage because when there was motion, a guy would follow, and then they would rotate into a zone coverage. That is not something they had been doing routinely throughout the season. So I don't know how you game plan for those things in terms of like, that's what I think of when I think of novel in-game tactical moves that you have to counter both offensively and, 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 you know, there are some obviously defensively. I I just don't know how you, any number of analysts help you predict that. That's where it goes back to what you're talking about with have better players, have better players on the field. So it doesn't matter if they run seven offensive linemen or, they're still not, not going to yeah, work. Or, or, the, or the same players who are improved or who execute better. I, I, I mean, it's just, I, I just think, generally speaking, we get lost down this rabbit hole of somehow coaches being more ingenious than the next. And what resonates with me is, when I see Alabama games or I see Georgia games or I see, um, you know, Clemson, what have you, right? Like the teams that Ohio state, they beat you because they're better than you. Ohio state didn't do anything crazy in that game last year to put up 38 points or whatever. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't, it, it wasn't that it was Travion Henderson running for 68 yards. Yep. <laughs> That's that's how you win. And so I, I just, um, you know, and, Penn and you State, and I talked and about Penn this State not having a counter. So right. Penn State was in that game back and forth. But what they did not have was a Travion Henderson to take a routine run that was defended pretty well and then just break a tackle and go 68 yards. They did not have a counter to that. So Ohio State was able to, over the course of the game, accumulate more explosive plays and therefore more points. Not that they're always correlated, but that's that's what you're talking about. Like you need can, to have you, a complement of weapons that's similar. Can you can you not? Um, and and I, I feel like you can speak to it better than I can. But wasn't one of the things that we talked about last season how many different things Mike Yersich had tried to do offense? Yeah, <laughs> like there, yeah. there it was just this laundry list of different approach because. It was, hey, if, if you're not succeeding in one, you, you might as well try other things. There, there was no lack of imagination from Penn yeah. State last season. And in some respects, you could probably argue that there was too much at times. That if yeah. they had been able to master you know, the core of what they were trying to do. He, he, in my interview with him uh, this summer, he, he had a, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he had this great line of reasoning about how if you're a, a really good offense, you want to be great, right? At mm -hmm. looking the same as much yep. as you possibly can and having yep. different things that come out of it. He said, he was like, you don't want to be good at A, B, C, D, and E, right? Or one, two, three, four, and five. You want to yep. be good at 
1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, 1E. If you can do that, if you can have all of these things that branch off of this specific core look, right, for lack of a better word, yeah, you can do some things. You can be dangerous. Penn State couldn't do that. Penn State tried to be one, two, three, four, five last year because one never worked. Yeah. One just wasn't good. (laughs) Yep. So there's a couple other questions. We're going to get into a little bit of that because I think that's a big thing that's coming up this year. Uh, just from my study of Mike Yersich historically, because I went into some things and I think some people, you know, I've talked about my positive view of the offense and the offensive line going into this season. It's not unfounded. And I want, we're going to get into some of the, some of the stuff there in a little bit. So the next question is, uh, Actually, this is the perfect segue. Spencer uh, Boken asks, does Penn State figure out the rushing attack for 2022? Does Nick Singleton rush for over 500 yards? Nate, uh, I don't know if you want to go in on the over-under. We don't have any of our gamblers with the five, you know, the over-under here for the 500 yards. But what's your general thought on that question? See, this is where I just, I want to go hot take and say, how many carries is it going to take him to go over 500 yards? Because <laughs> I I do. I do 30? think that he will. Yeah, right. I mean, in any case, I, I think that Nick Singleton brings an element to the offense, uh, to Penn State's offense. Now, granted, there are things that he still has to get better at. You and I have discussed them uh, uh, quite a bit between what he was running at Governor Mifflin and what he's running now at Penn state. They're they're just, it's totally different. It's a new level. It's it's we've been down that road. However, his talent, I think speaks for itself. And so between him and Katron Allen, because I, I, I try to make sure that I don't undersell Katron Allen. He had just as much buzz in the spring as Nick did. Um, And so both of those two guys, I think should have an opportunity through the course of the season to be very productive. Um, you know, and, and so where does Kevon Lee fit into all this? Uh, Devin Ford, I'm not sure. Right. Like the, the point I think is that no matter what happens at that position, yes, you've, you've welcomed in an influx of talent that is unique in its own right, but also you've lifted the floor. And so if, if the guys up top, right, who have traditionally been up top over the last two years, have somebody pushing from behind, mm-hmm. there's a possibility that they will raise their level of play. That, that, that is yep. uh, within the realm of possibility. And so either way, I think that you're going to see just more execution, better effectiveness. And, and if that happens, it, it honestly should change what Penn State's uh, offense can do. So there's there's two factors to this. And the first is that this has been what I was saying since, you know, we, last spring you could see on paper, okay, so Noah Kane and Kevon Lee, excuse me. Yep. Noah Kane and Kevon you Lee have. Didn't, have the, didn't have the mute button there. Uh, yep. You had those guys as your lead backs, right? So you had this last spring, I was saying, where's the juice for this offense? So now fast forward to where we are, where we are. And it is Nick Singleton, but it's not just Nick Singleton. It's also the fact that I'm still on the Keziah Holmes bandwagon of he's got the talent to be a factor. You've got Devin Ford, who is coming into this season presumably healthy. And right there with Singleton, 
and Ford and Holmes, you have three players with explosive capabilities. So you already have more options. So Nick Singleton is your, he's your fastball. He's the guy everyone is expecting to break out and be a superstar. But let's say, Nate, that there's some struggles early on. There's some, I'm not quite grasping how to read and react at the line of scrimmage. Just hypothetical yeah. here. Not saying 100%. that this is a thing I'm concerned about. But then you've got Kaziah Holmes, who's been here for three years, who was a tackle breaker when he was on the field as a freshman that's had time to develop physically and mentally. Devin Ford can provide that in a multi multitude of ways. So the explosiveness of the offense, you now have a, even if one of them hits, it's a 33% chance instead of a 0%, like a, a, a 10% chance like Devin Ford had to bring right. all of the speed last season. So it's right. not just that it's Nick Singleton and his singular talent. It's that they got options this year. They got legitimate depth in specific. I, ways. I, I, this is a slight parallel. Don't kill me for this, but I wrote a story about Sanders to today, right? Kicking. <laughs> and I, I promise you the conversation with him was very strict because we, we we're, we're talk around this, right. As, as though they're these drastically different things, but they're not. Sander was talking about how he has to be more consistent. He can bang balls from 55, 60 yards, right? He can hit a 60 yard field goal. That's fine. He's got the most leg strength on the team. No debate about that. However, if he can't consistently hit from 42, what difference does it make? Because that's the majority of the field goal yeah. attempts that you're going to make. Yeah. Nick Singleton's the same way, right? Like all, all of these guys, not just Nick, every single one of these backs. And so the 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 whole thing, the whole uh, ingredient that has to exist out of that position, regardless of who it is that comes through, is simply a matter of can you be consistent? Can you deliver with a level of consistency that your other competitors can, if it's it, right, like, and Penn State will take anything at this point from that yeah. position, because yeah, before we're talking about three out of ten, right? Like the rate of hit was so low, it, it just led to the type of rushing offense that they had. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I just think that that if they if those guys can all push each other to be better, um, certainly somebody should emerge that can help that group. Here's the, and this is the part that I, this offense is going to be better this fall. And, and the reason is because Mike Yersich is a good offensive coordinator. And this is not some opinion. This is, this is an opinion. Like I do, I do like his style of offense and I do like uh, what I see from him, but also it's backed up by actual proof. So we're going to take just the rushing attack. We're going to look at that here. So what we're doing is we're going to take a look at some PFF metrics. And we mentioned, Nate, explosive plays, right? Not enough mm -hmm. explosive running plays last season. And I'm going to show you how it is both scheme and talent, but where I think Mike Yersich gets the most out of his players because of the scheme. So the first thing is, when you're looking at his offense on film at Oklahoma State, where he was there for the longest time, and it was really like a grain. He had a system. He had players coming through. It wasn't just one year at Texas. Um, they ran the ball a lot. 
it's not just him saying those things. It's not just coach speak. He wants explosive plays, but what you mentioned of A looking like B and B looking like C, that's what you get, get when you have a system. When you have one play playing off another, playing off another, playing off a pass play. And Penn State didn't have that last year. So you didn't see the full Mike Yersich offense, a system. It did not work for a, ver a variety of reasons, which we've covered multiple times. But here is what the production has been over time. So if you take a look at the rushing totals, these are explosive runs of 15 or more yards. At Texas, 29 in his first season during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, 2018, he had 32 explosive runs, 39 in, uh, in 2017, and I believe he was at uh, uh, near that, 41 or something like that, in 2016. At Penn State last season, he had 13 explosive runs. So it is very much the outlier in this situation. You're looking at the history of an offense coordinator. You're looking at his past results and his past uh, accomplishments. So that's clearly different than what we were expecting. And I would base the evidence on, hey, it's going to get better. Like, it's going to get better. There's there's very little evidence that there's not a lot of explosive runs. Because, and this is something going back to what I've seen on film, we talked about this here in the past, they couldn't run outside zone last year. They just couldn't run it. They tried to. They tried more than uh, Kirk Shiraka did when he brought in his inside-outside zone system. And the point of zone running is it's supposed to look the same. It's supposed to, when you watch it as a defense, it is all the same action. So you've got to decide quickly, is it inside? Is it outside? Is it a run or a pass? And when you have play action passing and you have RPO and you have read option, all of these different things baked into, that's how you get everything to look the same. That's how you get a pass play to have wide open uh, receivers at the second and third level is because everyone's biting up because they believe it's a run because they have to respect it. Doesn't yep. mean that they have to run the ball 30 times, but, you know, they have to have that there. So the next thing is, and I, I dove into this of, okay, did they have exceptional run blocking? Was that a huge part of it? And the answer is no. So this is where I think the scheme can help elevate the offensive line, which is why I'm a fan of zone blocking to begin with, is I think that these things are pretty universal, college, pro, different levels of college football is that zone blocking typically allows you to elevate the play of the offensive line as long as you have explosive running backs, which Penn State has this year. So let's take a look. These are PFF rankings nationally in rushing grade and, and blocking grade. And I think you'll see here, as long as this uh, loads, that there's no correlation between the two. So in 2020, in a new system, they ranked 43rd. That's good enough. 2018 at Oklahoma State is last year there. They had the fifth best rushing attack in the nation. 2017, 44th, 2016, 18th. So you can see, like, they, they bounce back and forth, but that's variation by year. Then you look at the run blocking. 2018, when they were one of the best running teams in the country, their run blocking grade was 91st. They did not have a dominant offensive line. The one that they have coming in this year potentially could be better than that. So all of these things, I think, show the run blocking uh, is uncoupled from the rushing attack. As long as you have these explosive backs, or let me just say, decisive running backs. 
guys that read the system can see the holes and get upfield. Yep. As long as you've got those guys, you can make something happen with your running game. That's the system. And I think that we're going to see more of that this year because I'm, I've just, there's too much evidence that it won't happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to question like, is there something wrong at Penn State specifically? Because <laughs> it's worked everywhere. In the water. Else. Yeah, yeah. Right. In the water. The nutrition. It's their fault. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I, I just beat that one to death. So let's move I on. love it. I'm, I'm in. I'm on board. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Beaverman 72, which D, which defensive line addition will have the biggest impact this season? Deny Dennis Sutton, Damian Robinson, or defensive tackle Zane Durant? Furthermore, Ooh. furthermore, Ooh. do the aforementioned players have the potential to provide depth that was missing last year, particularly Dennis Sutton and Robinson at the edge position? Nate, this is a great question. It Bring is. Bring the heat today. What do you think? It is. Hmm. All right. Well, let's let's start by you educating me. Okay. Tar are they going to Tar, tar Burton will start presumably? Like they're not going to go Adisa and Chop together. Uh, I don't know. I I so this is one of those tough situations where like, do you want a run stuffer right like pretty effective run defender yeah. is that i mean is that fair as a characterization uh, yes yes he is he is a sound run defender but he does get beaten sometimes because he's not physically dominant but yes he's a he is a very uh assignment sound player he is always messing with the run blocking because he's in his gap so i think that's a fair way to yeah it. okay so so presumably you know, uh, we'll see what happens with Adisa, right? I mean, I, I think that that's the yeah. the the biggest component to that to answering this question is what happens with Adisa, because if Adisa yeah. is ready to go, and if all of those stars align, you and I have talked about this. Uh, it's fine to be as complimentary and as um, optimistic as Penn State players and coaches have been towards Adisa and he's a great kid. I mean, obviously he's worked hard to get back to this point. Um, yep. You know, science says that it's hard to come back from an injury like that and yep. be as explosive as you had been previously, at least right yep. off the bat, right? It, it comes, yep. but still we saw it with Tim Frazier in basketball. Yep. I, I think that it's a, a safe thing to say that we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, the timing, though, I think in this situation, it happened during. It's the a little sport. more like, yeah, a yeah. little more time, which gives me kind of the outside. June. It's not it's not exactly a full year. Right. Um, so if you were coming back at the 12 month mark, I'd be concerned. But yeah, yeah. you've had that extra three months or so. And by the middle of the season, when you need to be at full go, like, are you fully back? Ace or, or the, the type of injury we're talking about, uh, which is not yeah. an ACL, which I almost said. Um 
that is tough. And that is one yeah. that some, I think modern medicine makes it easier, but it is still not an, an injury. You typically come back from a hundred percent ever. Uh, yeah. but I think we're in an area where you can expect most of Adiza Isaac to return. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's go from there to me. The, the, the most opportunity I think in terms of beating out guys who are in front of him is Durant, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think that Zane Durant, uh, it, it just, the drum beat has not lessened at all. Right. He, he's mm-hmm. up to 272 pounds. Uh, he, he is, he looks big, he, right? You and I were just talking about it last week at live for life. He looks the part. He looks like a guy who, um, you know, that other than him being six feet tall, does he, he, he seems like a player who is not going to be inhibited by his physical stature at that position. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the Again, I mean, I have to base um, some of my opinion on, yes, I mean, certainly things that we've heard publicly, but things that I've heard privately are very much to the level of, yeah, this kid's different. <laughs> yeah. he, he just is. He 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 brings yeah. something to the table that Penn State does not have. And that and more important, um, not only does it not have it, but it needs it. And so if yep. he if he can do those things, I think that there's a real opportunity for him. Um, yeah, to be, to be the most impactful of those three, though, I would probably argue that all three of those guys are going to make a a big dent this season. Yeah. Uh, this is the guy I'm going with. It's chop Robinson. Damian Robinson has to be the biggest impact player because Penn State needs him to be the biggest impact player. Um, we've talked about this a, a bunch of different times. Like if you have a truly dominant three technique, any truly dominant player in college football, if you're that much better than the competition, there is a gulf in talent at this level. So you're you're right. I, I'm I'm having a hard time sticking to my own rule with Zane Durant of don't overhype this kid before he even plays a snap. Because yeah. it, it is like going back to his film in high school, it is different. I've never seen a defensive tackle play running back and up back before on punt returns. And like, we're going <laughs> to give that guy the ball. And he looks like a point guard driving to the bucket. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. He has that sort of, I'm a regular person, but I'm a big athlete, you know? And, and this is in, in different sports. can be different things like LeBron James and Kevin Durant. They play like they're six foot three but they're seven feet tall, six, eight. Zane Durant plays like he's a linebacker, but he's 272 pounds now. So that is, yep. it's different. And when you have that, there's always the opportunity for dominance because you just have something rare. But Damian Robinson, we're talking about impact players. You have, like, there, there's, there's no way that a three technique, unless you are literally Aaron Donald and you break all molds and, preconceived notions about the position there's no way you can have the same impact as an edge rusher and looking at him at lift for life damian robinson is he's answered my questions of can he get up to 200 and you know 50 ish pounds in time to play pure defensive end his frame could always support it you could see that even in high school he had look at the shoulders on this guy right he's all strapped up his traps everything like he's good look good in t-shirt but he he looks like he's physically ready to go (laughs) 
So then the question becomes, like, you're right, opportunity. Is he behind Adisa Isaac? Is the rotation going to be uh, Isaac and Robinson and then um, Tarburton and Dennis Sutton? Is that going to be the rotation? Or are you going to have Adisa Isaac and then on third down you have your pass rushing package? Because there's right. there's a bunch of different ways you can go with that. And the to me, the impact is pass rush. It's pass rush yep. because of Manny Diaz and, and the run-stuffing thing. Deny Dennis Sutton, he's going to be a, a good run defender, but I, I honestly don't care. I don't care about that when we're talking about impact. So to me, it has to be Chop Robinson because he's older. He uh, has elite athleticism in bend. He's He can be one of the best pass rushers Penn State's put through in a lot. Like, he could be just as good as Adafi Owe and as uh, – he could be probably better because he's bigger than a guy like um, – Arnold Abikidi, even though Abikidi was just unreal in his 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 technique, so it has yeah. to be Robinson to me. Put it this way: if if Penn State's off defensive line is going to meet or exceed previous expectations from that unit, it's been pretty strong for really yep. a, a range of years now. Um, I, I think you're going to need to see all of those guys. <laughs> Legitimately. Yes. I mean, they, they have oh, a need at yes. defensive end. So there's no question that those guys are going to have to step up. Um, but then, like I said, I mean, I, I just think that Durant has a, a, a potential to be really good and really good right off the bat. So we'll see. Yep. And, uh, and the depth question, don't forget about Jordan Vandenberg at that three technique. Beeman, Durant, yep. Vandenberg. I think that provides and pushes the guys that we saw last year. So you don't have an Illinois game where if you're getting reached every play, we got to stay with you. Like they don't have to stay with anyone who isn't producing now. So that I think is an advantage for the depth that uh, on the interior as well. All right. So Poncho 570 asks uh, Malik McNeil and Caleb Artist are both destined for red shirts this year. I was writing about that in the red light, yellow light, green light uh, articles from last week at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Now that the class is, on campus so he wants to know from me what should be their main focus during the redshirt year to work on and nate how long do both of those players have before they need to be available in terms of depth chart and roster uh at their position so i'll go i'll start here um mcneil yeah. to me has to work on uh bend flexibility and uh i think conditioning he's not he's not a, he's not a sloppy 355 but he's 355. So six foot seven. He, I think he has good pad level for the most part, like for being six, seven, but every single nanometer, every, and here's the other thing too, is you can have good pad level to start a play, but do you have the conditioning to keep it in the fourth quarter? So that's important of like, you've got to really focus on that if you're McNeil. So conditioning and, and bend because he's tall and he plays high. For Caleb Artis, he needs to learn to play the game of football. More instinct, more awareness, more uh, unlocking of his really impressive traits. So for those two, I think they're two different things. Very different. One, I think, is more physical. One is more mental. Uh, so that's what I'd be focusing on is absorbing everything for Caleb Artis. And, and he hasn't played a lot. Like, he didn't play a lot his senior season. So there's a lot of, I don't know that he's got a lot of game reps just to get used to things. So practice and really focusing and making sure that you're learning something on every single play and you're absorbing all that stuff for Caleb Artis. Uh, so that's where yeah. I'd say both those guys need to work on 
this year. So what do you think about the outlook of when they'll be needed? What, which is literally everything you just said lends itself to, hey, like, come back to me in two years, right? Like, <laughs> come back to me. Let's have a conversation in in a couple of years. And that's that should be allowed. That should be okay to, to have guys who need some time, um, you know, to get right. To, to be in a position where they can contribute like that. I mean, I, look, looking at Penn State's offensive line, who they have now this season, other than Norzad, should be available. I, I'm doing this on memory, but I think should all be available next year. I don't think Juice's, Juice would have an extra year. So, yeah. right, Caden Wallace would have another year after this year, I believe. Now, obviously, some yes. of these COVID, right, we're going to – they're going to have to kind of shake that out and sort out what they want to do. But I just don't think that there is necessarily an immediate need. The numbers are there on the offensive line and the defensive line, um, at least at the positions for the guys that we're talking about. So, yeah, um, Yeah. you know, defensive end, I think continues to be a a challenge that Penn state's going to have to get worked out. But yeah, I mean, for, for those two guys, given the, the strides that I think that, you just eloquently said they need to make. Yeah. It, let's, let's see where they are as redshirt sophomores and go from there. Yeah. The nose tackle one technique position. I could see a need sooner rather than later with PJ Mustafer and Devon Ellis, both being upperclassmen. Um, but I don't know that that matters. I don't, I don't really know that in Manny Diaz, a system that you need to have a 305 plus pound player. I think it's more about, are you defeating your block and getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage? So that's going to be something I'm just curious to see how that evolves and how I've gone back and forth on are they positionless at defensive tackle or uh, are do, is there a hard and fast rule and they were just playing around with positional flexibility during the during the the spring game for McNeil I think my opinion purely my opinion he is a right tackle only I don't want him inside because of the pad level and the height and all those things I talked about. I don't think over 6'6", and by the way, if you're 6'6", you've got to be super athletic to play on the interior, to have that much length. You've got to be an elite player to play on the inside at that length. Um, he's a right tackle only because I don't think he has the the bend to play left tackle to go up against routinely where defense coordinators put their best players as pass rushers all the time. They still do that, even though most teams now have two pass rushers. So then it becomes, what is the situation at that particular position? So you mentioned Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace has another year of eligibility if he does not produce at the level to go to the NFL. Beyond that, what is the class of 2022 or 2023 how does that affect Malik McNeil as well? Because, you know, is is Javen Williams, is he seen as a tackle? Because you could start him out at right tackle. His teammate, Drew Shelton, maybe he's a left tackle, but maybe you start him out at right tackle to give him the experience and see if he can, if he can battle for that position. So this is my concern with Malik McNeil. And I might be wrong because I know he is very explosive for his size. Uh, and I know he's very athletic but it's just different playing left tackle. So if he's a one position player and other guys are better, then who knows where the depth chart goes at that point. And, and by the time he's ready, yep. has Penn state recruited enough that they have enough tackle options that it becomes a fight. So I, I, I think that's another TBD sort of situation. 
it, it just, I, you gotta, you gotta at least let me get through preseason camp, right? Like un- until you <laughs> at least get some insight into how, you know, cause look, I, I've, I've kind of compiled some general insight into the class as a whole and some of the newcomers that have stood out. We've talked about this, um, yeah. but like on a granular level, where are players on the red light, yellow light, green light that you've already talked about? You know, that's tough to know right now. Yeah. So we'll see. Yep. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, so Heather asks, Heather Ashley from Twitter asks, T. Frank, are you still riding your bike and why not? Are we neighbors? Nate, have I talked about riding my bike before? I don't think so. Huh. Well, anyway, uh, I work from home, so I'm in my apartment 100% of the time. I don't have to ride my bike to work, which, you know, I did for about three years. uh, And I probably talked about that there. So, like, if you're a fan of uh, ESPN Radio and State College, you might have heard about that. Curious how you know that particular fun little nugget, but I still ride the bike casually. By the way, uh, it doesn't have gears. <laughs> it's a road bike with no gears. So it's it's uh, the try-hard cycle. Okay. Uh, Losi's mustache. And this one, I'm going to read it from the site because I can't read that small print here on, on my monitor. So Losi's mustache asks a pretty long question here. Um, not only is Packraft trying to do- get donations for facility upgrades, but now NIL and has uh, fundraising to pay athletes. His background, Losi's mustache, is in finance, and I always look at things that return on investment, the SEC and the ACC. Revenue sports such as football, basketball, baseball. Is baseball a revenue sport? Anyway. In the ACC. Uh, is, is it in the ACC? Okay, all right. They're splitting I think revenue so, my... with less pieces. So does Penn State and other Big Ten schools say, I'm uh, sorry, non-revenue sports, you're just not worth the investment, we're done. This is something big that you've been talking about over the last couple of days when it comes to yesterday on the BWI Daily Edition, but also kind of your vibe from Pat Kraft. The Big Ten's sticking with non-revenue sports. They're they're going to continue that path forward, right? Yeah, all, all signs are that Penn State will keep 31 sports. At least that's my that's every read that I got from him and from outside of him is that he believes it can and should be done at Penn state, um, you know, to support those programs and to, and to keep those programs. It's just, it's just a matter of, 
you know, addressing specific needs. Soccer has a specific need in facilities, right? Like, yeah. so yes, there's a broad picture of things that you need to support. Yes. NIL collective, um, all, all of those different avenues to getting funds into a collective or, you know, identifying where directives might come from uh, right. between businesses and specific student athletes. So yeah, that's one side of it. And then the other side is um, facilities and right. Like are, are facilities improvements worth um, worth making. And I think that, yeah, for the most part, if you're going to keep these sports, getting rid of sports does not move the needle. That's the issue with this argument. And it's, it's a good argument. Like I understand the way that things are going nationally. If you look and you see, uh, okay, uh, Stanford cut a bunch of sports, Iowa cut sports. There, there are a bunch of players that have gotten rid of some of their non-revenue sports. That's fine. I, I can think of six, right. That have not had, elite levels of success at Penn state that maybe wouldn't necessarily be missed a, a, a ton right. from the fan perspective. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a, an athletic department with a budget of 140, $60 million a year. And yeah. to take them off the books, their losses are 500,000, 750,000, maybe a million dollars. Right. Like, right. so yeah. oh, even, oh, just a million, even come right. Put them, put them all yeah. together. I know, but like put them all together. And what does that represent to the actual the percentage of the expenses? overall budget? Yeah. Right. Yep. So no, I mean, I, it, it does seem very clear to me that he, he, at least from the onset wants to keep that. And certainly I would also understand what, athletic director in the right mind would walk through the door of the building and immediately announce that they're going to cut sports. That, that is not how you ingratiate it's like a hostage a situation. Right. No, yeah, I mean, just that's a, that's because a here's the thing is takeover. people don't, people don't generally care about things, but when they see things like that, it bothers them. Right? They like, only care yeah. when something is taken away, I'd say. Like generally that's that you want a thing to exist, but you don't necessarily always want to invest your time or energy into it. But when it's then gone, the loss factor, I think, it kind of comes into this particular situation. We do have to move on. We got a bunch more questions yeah. we need to get to. Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah. this one coming from Twitter, and I'm gonna do it in the voice so I feel less silly saying this out loud. This one is from Ookie Cookie seventy two. Which pos I'm assuming it's a cookie monster thing. Which position group I should I do the whole should I do the whole tweet in, in the cookie no, monster voice? No. Okay. Please, no. <laughs> Which position group do you think will really surprise people this year in a positive way? Some thoughts. O line, D line, tight end, linebackers. So uh thanks, Ookie Cookie. You took all the good ones. So Nate, <laughs> which one of those answers would you go with, or is there something else you were thinking of here? Uh, I think tight end, yeah. uh, like, I think that the offensive line is going to be better for sure, but I think you'll notice tight end, right? If, yeah. if all of these, you don't notice that... the line. <laughs> Correct. Like, so, uh, so yeah. of all, of all of these things that we anticipate having steps forward, right? So, so I think the defense is going to have to just 
because they played as well as they did last year, I think the defense will not be quite as good this season. So mm-hmm. fine, right? It's just, it's, it's harder. Uh, I think the offensive line is going to be better. How much better? We'll, we'll see. Um, if quarterback is consistent, if the running backs prove themselves as a consistent threat that makes defenses pay attention, the tight ends should have some success. They, they yeah. are talented. We know this. We know that that element is there. We saw it in the first five games last year. When Penn State was good offensively, the tight ends were a big part of that. So yeah. that that's still there. Those guys are still there. They've got another year in the system. Tyler Warren, we all know what he brings to the table. Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange. Um, and honestly, under the radar, Khalil Dinkins is a guy who I think that people are a little bit buzzy over moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you've got a stocked room there at tight mm-hmm. end. It's simply a matter of can you get them the ball? Can, can they be an impact on the passing game? And I think that they can. That's my question here. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. So if things work out uh, from what I described earlier, Penn State will have a better balance on offense. So there will be more running plays. You'll have less targets. When And the most effective part of this particular offense is throwing the ball down the field. Now, at uh, in the Big 12, when you're going up against soft coverages and you're, you're playing spread ball and you're throwing down the field to guys, you kind of get a, a different flavor than maybe you get in the Big 10. Right. So maybe you're not going to have as many as much of a dominance towards one particular group, a la the boundary receivers. But those are the most valuable targets to send out into the pass pattern. And then the second part of that is, does Sean Clifford use the middle of the field effectively? If there are less bodies sure. there, he, he sure will. He sure will if it's wide open. Um, but are they tight end targets? So that's just that's the part that I, gives me a little pause of the tight ends could be way better this year. But if they don't, just like the offensive line could be way better this year. But if they don't make splash plays, people don't remember. People don't remember, going back to this whole conversation, people don't remember all of the gadget plays that happened late in the season because the offense wasn't as good. So, you you know, you get 30 yards on a gadget play, or you get, maybe you get 10 yards on a gadget play. But because it was second and 14, and then it ended in a punt, no one cared. Uh, so so there's, there's always that factor, right? Um and it's all because of this photo. And this is where I'm, I'm, this is my hot take. I've gone the other way on the defense, which <laughs> I've gone so many different ways. Yo-yo on the defense, but I think Damian Robinson is going to have a good year. Like I, I his talent is re- like, I really like his game and he looks big enough now. So he just needs to learn the defense. So I go with the defense vents. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's solely tied to Adisa Isaac. I think you got yep. enough depth there that you get Smith Vilbert flashing and all of a sudden you've got a couple of guys. Like you've got four deep of players. That's kind of what you need instead of Smith Vilbert being the two or maybe the three and Jesse Lucetta yep. being forced into that pass rushing role. Now you got a true freshman five star, a borderline five star from the year before who's had a year in the in the in the Big Ten, and then you got Adisa Isaac. I think some combination of those guys is gonna get pressure. And if they hit right then it is, a, I think, a unit that will surprise people in a good way. PSU Ram asks, in which position... Here's, a, here's another way to slice this. In which position group, if any, is Penn State a top three in the Big Ten? Where does it rank? Is there a bottom five group, and where do they rank? So, then, 
This is always the if this, then that. If they do have bottom dwellers, is it too late to infuse through the portal? What group can they heavily lean on in, from incoming freshmen or just roll and make the best of things? There's no more portal activity, so that's that's off the table. So it has to be freshmen. Um, do you have anybody in mind to start on the positive end as a top three sort of group in the Big Ten? Here's the thing, and and this this just always like I'm not soapboxing this. I have I cannot tell you what other Big Ten teams have with any level of certainty. So mm-hmm. to to like how can I rank Penn State? I I have position groups that I think are good at Penn State, right? <laughs> like I feel fine talking about good at Penn yeah. State. I just I, I I struggle with questions like that because it's so like well, let's, what, let's what does that what does that mean? You you're right? I think you're right. So you, I think you're right in terms of for 2022. I don't think anyone has a really good idea of what's happening other than Ohio State. I think we can say Ohio State is like a top whatever at most positions. So but what's um, like what's so, so let's what's say Ohio on an State average have year after? Though. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Let's just so let's say it's a like a typical sum of the parts sort of years. And let's use some stereotypes of Wisconsin and Iowa are going to have good offensive lines. Ohio state's going to have good receivers. Um, Michigan's going to have a good defensive line. So are there any positions in your estimation of their talent that rise to a stereotyped position group at, in the big 10 in this fall that you can project as far as the talent matches, the typical talent comparatively across the league yeah i don't i mean i i don't know what dbu is in the big 10 but if it's yeah, not penn tough. state then i would say that penn state is it right now like yeah. this group of corners and safeties combined and you can separate those two if you want to just say the yep. corners are that good that they're top three that's fine the safeties are that good that they're top three sure fine uh i i have no problem with that um and then I got to see the running backs. I, I really do. Like if, if, if Singleton and Catron Allen are special, then maybe that changes the equation. Maybe it changes that dynamic. Uh, qu- quarterback. No. Right. Receivers. Right. Probably not. I don't, I don't think, but maybe to be determined tight ends, maybe offensive line, probably not defensive line. I, I don't think so. Maybe you disagree there. Linebackers. I, I don't, I don't know that it matters if, if Curtis Jacobs is yeah. is really good. If, if Curtis right. Jacobs is really good and the other, you know, um, Mike linebacker is serviceable and doesn't give up huge mistakes, I think that they're going to be fine there on on at yeah. linebacker. But really, it's um, just to me the yeah. ones that pop are the secondary. I don't think the Penn State has any bottom five positions. So if there were any that were in danger of falling into that area, maybe it's the offensive line. But the depth on the interior especially I think is so good now that if something bad happens, there's another option, even if it is uh, a true freshman uh, you know, or a guy who's coming back from an injury. There seems to be depth at that position where they're going to be able to sustain some of these things. Uh, it just becomes then the, the tackles, right? That's where the, the depth is thin. Um, receiver to me is the place that I think they're going to be a top three. I just, I I think the pass catchers are good. And again, they have depth Parker Washington. And this again, again, goes to the, who else is good in the big 10 typically at receiver. 
Right. Ohio State. But I, I don't ever. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not doing my job. But on July 7, I don't. I couldn't tell you who the top three receiver groups are. I just hate right. rankings. I'm not a rankings guy. It just bothers me. I, I don't understand. I, yeah. Which, and that's why I wanted to go with a general, like a general feel. You know, like the yeah. the general consensus of is this group a standout group on the team? Not necessarily are they a top two in the Big Ten, but are they a standout in the conference? And I think the receiver position, you mentioned the DBs. I think those are the two that you can put in that area. Um, I need then, to see know, those maybe... receivers. Don't you? you know, so I like Parker Washington. I, I've, I, again, he's I, I another guy too. I've liked his entire career. And I've seen enough on film of Mitchell Tinsley to know he's going to be productive. In the spring, he stepped into the slot and was effective. Like, I loved his routes. Those, those things were tight. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield called them juicy. Like, if you run a juicy route, you knew you ran a juicy route. He was running some juicy routes in the spring. So I think those two are good. And then for if you need, let's just say that neither of those guys are explosive. They, they don't okay. provide you the big passing plays. They provide you stability. And then you've got uh, Malik Mega. You've got Keandre Lambert-Smith. You've got um, uh, Harrison Wallace. All these guys. And if you want to throw in Caden Saunders in there later in the season to provide some explosive speed, I think you got that there too. Like, again, like the yeah. running back position, there's depth and options that are all, I think, quality options. So much of it is – and and I think that this is a natural byproduct of us talking about this every day, yep. right? But yep. so much of it is tagged to potential, right? Mal Malik Mega, I know, has potential. I know there's a buzz about him, but – He's got to do it. it. It has to happen. And the yeah. same is true of Keandre Lambert-Smith. He, he's got big expectations and deserves them. He has done some things on the field, but consistency has not been his strong suit. Uh, yep. Right? Like Harrison Wallace is new to football. He's only been playing yep. football for a couple of years. So like, but that's, dude, I guess that's the point is you've got, you, you just mentioned three guys with great talent, maybe all of them yep. bust. But maybe they don't. And that's that to me, that is the difference this year from last year. And, and especially from 2020 with the receiving core is look at all these young, talented players. You could see the way he ran the Keandre sure. Lambert Smith was like, okay, that's going to be a good receiver. But now if they don't, somebody else can step in. And it's not, and, and this means, I mean, no disrespect, it's not Cam Sullivan Brown or Daniel George, yeah. who gotcha. we knew what they were. Like we knew kind of at that point what their potential was. There's other good options that have upside. I want to see some games. I, I I always end up in the same place at this time of year, which is very simply, I, I hate making predictions. I hate yeah. rankings. And if you ask me to have the same conversation four weeks into the season, I love it. Well, I can talk all day <laughs> about it, but just right now I'm, I am filled with uh, ambiguity. So it is, it is different than, the NFL where you have a good idea of everyone coming in to every season because you have so much more evidence of the same playing field, free agency. You're just putting a guy from a different situation onto a new team. You've got guys you've never seen before. Like who's, who's the Rondale Moore this year for Purdue? Who is the, um, 
what's another place that always has? There's always one receiver that comes out of nowhere, right? Because either it's the volume and he's playing well and he's just getting pure stats, or he's a freshman or a young breakout player. There's so many guys that we don't know about because they haven't played on the college level but might have a good pedigree. So there's a lot more yeah. mystery heading into a college football season. PSU87 asks, which DB has the best skills breaking on the ball? He wants more pick sixes. Always an exciting play. And there's a lot of good options here. Now, we've got... Uh, a few minutes here, Nate. So we got to get through a couple of these yeah. questions quickly. Give me yeah. two names. Kalen King, Joey Porter. Next. All right. I'm going to go with uh, the, the two of the safeties. One of them had six picks last year. I'm going to go with Tig Brown. Oh. And then I really, really like Zaki Wheatley. I really like him. I think he's got some, some, superstar qualities from what I saw again, very limited in the spring, but he backed it up with all the hype behind the scenes in practice with the DB turnover King, all that stuff. Psychim asks T Frank, you discussed how Caden Wallace needs to improve his flexibility and bendability. No easy task. Is there an objective way to assess these skills with potential recruits? Thanks. Yes. Uh, objective is the, is the difficult part. Um, athletic testing. That's one area. So let's, Let's instead of using bend, let's use, you know, mobility. You have to have good mobility to have a good shuttle time. So if you're going to run uh, in the four fives as a recruit, maybe not on the offensive line, but maybe on the offensive line, you need to be able to bend and turn. So that is a good way to assess that. Are you super stiff? Are you running a six second shuttle? That's not good. Um, but if you are in an area where you can improve that time, that is an area for objective analysis, but that's where film analysis comes in. That's where T Frank's film room comes in. I know I pointed this out and people are uncomfortable with me saying that there's a flaw with a five star, but if there's one thing deny Dennis Sutton doesn't have, he's not super bendy. So you can have a profile where maybe you're not super bendy, but you do have other skills to make it work and be a good football player, be highly productive. So it's not an end all be all. It's a thing I focus on because I don't think people focus on it enough. I think it's a very underrated part of football that most average fans don't think about when they think of, especially offensive linemen. They just want them as big as possible. And that is functionality is more important than, than just size and strength. Because if you can't hit your target, who cares? If you are slipping off your block because you don't have good core strength, I don't care that you're 330 pounds. You're sloppy. And I'm not saying that's Caden Wallace. I'm saying that's what I see when I see a lot of offensive linemen and, and somebody's like, well, we need to get X, Y, or Z. And it's like, he's... That is not useful weight. Okay, so Turtle Dog asks a statement. He says, raid the ACC. Take two teams. Nate, we didn't ever really get your opinion on expansion this week and since it's happened. So is there anything you want to add to the conversation? Hmm. Uh, raid the ACC. Take two teams. Man, I don't know. Um, this doesn't move the needle, but maybe it does. I would take North Carolina because I think it fits the profile of the Big Ten um, beyond just right um, beyond just football or basketball, Academics. whatever. Academics, academics, academia, high rounded hoity-toity. Yes. Um, uh, what do you have on this? I like. Do you want to add? Clem I don't know. Uh, I, I just think I don't think it's gonna matter. I just think markets. it's gonna filter out. Into, I think it's gonna filter out right into two. Yeah, into two different. Uh, Georgia Tech is a non-starter for me. I don't think it matters. Yep. 
Um, Like at one point that was part of the conversation. The other problem that I think that you have is, and I've seen this referenced other places is streaming is going to upend most or all of this, right? So normal television markets. Yes. They, at one point it was a matter of, can you get into these specific cable markets so that you would be carried on all of those homes? I mean, maybe I'm crazy here, but it seems fairly clear to me that this is going to go national, right? So the Big Ten Network is going to want to be in every home in the United States, not just L.A. market. It's going to want the entire Pacific region. It's going to want, you know, the the Southwest is going to want everything. So I just, this feels very premature to me. um, How do you get to that Because I think that that it's all coming. How do you get... How do you get to this? And I, you're right with the you're right with the streaming part, but how do you get to the saturation point where it, gen, it then just makes sense to put you on everywhere? You got to be most places. Yes. So, yes. so that's the, and, and this is where I think uh, Ryan and I disagreed last week. Was he's saying SEC country don't bother with anybody in the South, but if you capture a fan base and it's a large, so just go look for the largest fan bases because you're right. Streaming is ultimately where this is going to go. So with streaming. Find the f- largest, most passionate fan bases, and I know that can be kind of te- like that's unscientific, right? But yeah. you didn't you didn't bring in UCLA because of their uh, prowess on the court for any reason. Like you brought them in because you needed USC. So get national brands again. Go into the Notre Dame thing. Um, yeah. Is there is there a team in Texas? Is there a team in the Southwest in Arizona, New Mexico area? that uh, you want to bring in. That's why I think Arizona, Arizona state are, you know, kind of those things, kind of those teams you're looking at. And then, yeah, yeah, I would, I would just look at the, the, the most prominent places with the highest. And I go back to the, the urban area of how many people will watch it. Maybe not just because right. of the television market, but because of, you know, you're going to get eyeballs in Georgia because you got blank, you got North Carolina. So you got basketball, which is a national brand. Um, that's why I wonder is Miami's on this on kind of, I think Miami, that's of, where I was. Yeah. But they're not, I would go Miami. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm back and forth on it. Cause I think it fits, but I also don't know that if it's, I don't think it's inspiring. Like, I don't think it's doing a ton for you. I don't know. They're making moves, but the, okay. yeah, well they are. They Bas- are they basketball's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Basketball's good. Football's maybe going to be good. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, oh, he, he uh, actually brings up something that we forgot to mention on the show, Nate. This is the one-year anniversary of the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel coming online full-time. So thanks for – appreciate that, Ryan. Yeah, that was July 1st last year. Come a long way. He says, hey, T. Frank, what a year, man. Came You came out of nowhere. Well, I mean – No. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I knew you. I knew. Well – yeah, you. I was the I was the hidden talent. Anyway, appreciate you and your takes in all your content. Question: What are your expectations for the Penn State running game this year? Will the freshman running backs take over? So, what linemen, tight ends help or hurt the effort the most? We talked about the first parts about this, but let's talk about the tight ends because I talked to Brenton Strange at Lift for Life, and I was th- I was asking what makes a good run blocker, and he was you know talking about for him specifically what happened last year where he really turned it on. He said it was kind of an acclimation period watching film uh, with Ty Howell and just getting used to run blocking, like coming from playing receiver in high school to being an inline blocker. 
Um, and then, you know, the tenacity, the effort, the technique, all those things that go into being a good run blocker. So Strange is definitely going to be one of those guys. The other guy I'd say in this position is Tyler Warren. Uh, he's another guy that I see the similar qualities in that I think are prominent when it comes to being a good run blocker and being a good asset in that specific area. I kind of get the feeling that Theo Johnson is going to be a Mike Gesicki type, where he might yep. be a better run blocker because Gesicki was god-awful and didn't want to do it. I think you get a little more effort from, from Theo Johnson, but I don't know that he has all of those things to be a very, very good run blocker that Penn State fans have been used to, you know, with Pat Fryermuth and Britton Strange. So that would be the tight end, I would say, in that area. Last question for the show. This is for you from Seamus Hansberry Update. I left it for last because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> this is basketball, right? Uh, yeah, this is a basketball player. Monty Hansberry. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm so sorry to all of our fans that like basketball. I do try, but like, there's just uh, only so much room in my brain for stuff. So that's why we have Nate. Yeah. So what's the update here? Uh, no, no update. No update. I mean, there all these guys are in the AAU circuit tournaments uh, that are happening this weekend. There is a Nike in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Under Armour has one in Georgia, I believe it is, just outside of Atlanta. And Adidas has one in South Carolina. So uh, coaches are all out on the road. Coaches are all taking in kind of the top prospects. They're trying to see all these guys. Um, yeah, no, no update. No, like I, I just, it's kind of been the same part for a lot of these guys is that most of them seem to be climbing in terms of their exposure. Kerry Booth, we talked about him a ton, but he, yeah. he's a guy who is much more recruited heavily by bigger players now than he had been say six weeks ago. So, um, you know, all, all of, all of that means that yes, decisions are coming, but they're probably still another two or three weeks away. I would think until things start to, uh, shake out. Did you so, have, we'll uh, see. I, I apologize if I don't know for a fact, did you have a basketball notebook recently? Over at the side. I sure did. There I we go. Sure did. I, I can't believe I you didn't read it. That. I listen. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff to get through. Blah blah blah. Excuses, excuses, excuses. I'll do better next time. But the point of me saying that was check it out. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just one dollar and get twelve months of access. That'll do it today for our mailbag show. I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr, senior editor, basketball insider Nate Bauer, uh, helping drag me along in a lot of these conversations. So thank you, Nate. Always appreciate doing the show with you. Thanks for having me, buddy. Love it every week. So that'll do it for today. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube if you're watching. And, of course, over uh, wherever you get your podcasts as we are growing steadily towards the season. We're going to be at like 10,000 downloads by the season. So tell your friends about it. Make sure that you're a part of the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you wrapping up the week with recruiting and Ryan Snyder coming up tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.